Good morning, everyone. Um, and a very warm welcome to you all here in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's good to be able to gather together as, um, as church and uh, be able to celebrate God's goodness, be able to uh, seek his face, be able to worship together, pray together, um, and uh, fellowship together. Uh, just as we begin our, uh, what, what is our a creative and interactive service, we have these on the first of every month, um, just some notices. Uh, in, in a moment, uh, Julie's going to come and just share with us about Alpha. Um, I want to make clear that there is no Brighton Road Baptist Kids Club during August, so that's a mistake on your uh, bulletin, if you've seen it, that there's no BRBK in August. Um, also, on your tables, uh, we're going to be using various things, on your chairs actually, you will have, unless you've sat on them, um, some uh, pictures of, of loaves and fishes, so you can tell what the theme is going to be perhaps today. You may want to begin cutting out the fish with its little box next to it and each of the loaves, okay? There are scissors in your um, little pots there on your table. Um, there may only be one pair or two pairs of scissors in each one. See, there are other scissors on other tables, but start cutting those out uh, because we're going to be using those during the, the service. If you're in the balcony, there are uh, these items either side of you, along with other items as well that you may want to get a hold of. So, Julie. Um, now, do you know anyone who is free on Wednesday mornings for an hour and a half from September, middle of September, who might be interested in doing Alpha? You may be very surprised. You may invite them and think, well, they're never going to come. They would never come. But... It is a surprise. I've had people who I've invited and just been amazed that they did come. Alpha started here in 1994 when, when I came out of uh, a theological college and um, many, many people have become Christians over the years and even some on, onto the diaconate and leadership. So Alpha, honestly, Alpha is so good. So can I invite you to pray about who you might invite. And if you haven't done it yourself, then do come along with, with your person. Um, nine sessions from the 21st of September. Um, a coffee. A, a really good video. Uh, Barbara's done it, haven't you? Yeah, a really good video and a, then a discussion. So please, there's invitations here. So please do. Uh, be praying about who you might invite and let's have a really uh, good alpha uh, where people come to know Jesus. Thank you. And so those, uh, th those alpha leaflets, you can get them. Julie's got some, but they're also available in the, uh, at the entrance as well at the reception. Just to make clear, for those of you who may not, it doesn't matter whether you've done this already, that's fine. Um, but if you cut just straight across there, okay, so you've got the fish and the box staying on the same place, that's fine, because you'll be able to use those later on. But for those of you who haven't done that, just cut straight across there, straight across there, 
and then you cut the little individual loaves out, okay? Doesn't matter whether you've not done that. If you're clever, you can fold them and tear them as well if you're, if you're really good at that kind of thing. But take your time doing that. Um, on our screen, we're going to have um, a, a psalm, Psalm 107. We're going to use this as our beginning to our time of worship. Um, and I've got some words in bold that I'd like us to read together. And I'll read the ones that aren't in bold. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Our God has not changed. He continues to satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry for, with good things. He continues to meet with us, whether we feel like we're in a, a wasteland or we feel like we're in an oasis. Uh, God continues to meet with each one of us. And today we're going to be uh, thinking about how God meets our needs and he multiplies what we have to offer to him uh, and what we are able to offer to others. We're going to sing the first of our songs with a prayer you fed the hungry. Thank you. 
As we uh, are beginning this service, we want to take the opportunity to give thanks to God for all that he gives to us. I want you to take um, a pen, there are various felt tips, there are also biros on your table, and uh, take one of them and take one or more of your loaves. So you've got five loaves there, that was how many loaves were brought forwards at the beginning of the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And it may be that you have just one thing to thank God for. You may have up to five things that you want to thank God for. But here's an opportunity to write those things down on those pieces of paper. If you don't have anything to thank God for, then don't write anything down. It's as simple as that. Okay? But if you do have something to, to thank God for, then take the opportunity to give an expression of thanks to God. It may be you want to praise him as well. And so this is a time of praise or thanksgiving. So write down one or more things uh, that you have to thank or praise God for. It could be a simple word, could be a phrase, could be a person, could be an activity. If you don't like writing, you can draw a picture if you want. just going to give just a moment for us to give thanks to God in this way. Now some of us are full of expression of thanks this morning and some of us have got loads of loaves in our hands. Others of us may have just crumbs. And we're finding it very difficult to find something that we feel thankful for. The thing is, this isn't about feelings, because sometimes I don't feel thankful, and yet I am thankful. We have to overcome our feelings, push past our feelings sometimes when we don't feel like giving thanks or feel 
like praising God. And there may, may be all kinds of good reasons why, why we may feel that way. And yet our God welcomes and deserves our thanksgiving and our praise. And sometimes that is a sacrifice to, well in this case, physically write or draw the picture to write the word. It's a sacrifice, an expression of faith to say, I am thankful for this and I will thank you for this, even though I feel differently I will do this. An exercise of the will, an exercise of purpose and faith. What I'd like you to do is we're going to bring forwards these expressions of thanks. I don't expect everyone to come forward. We'll have a, a mass stampede. But it may be that you've got someone in your group that you're happy just to pass your loaves to and for those individuals to come and place those thanks on the table at the front. I'm not going to read them. I'm, they're going to be folded up. And, um, and put away, uh, or thrown away. Um, so I'm not going to see what you've written. No one else will see that, but God knows exactly what you are thanking God for and what you are presenting, as it were, before him. Okay. So in this moment, we're going to just take time to bring these thanks to God. We're going to start, uh, we're going to, as we do so, we're going to sing together. Uh, and our next song, Longing for Light, We Wait in Darkness. Understanding that there are times when we feel as though it is dark, and, we, and it may indeed be dark, the darkness that we're in, and yet we long for a glimmer of light in our circumstance. It may be that you are bathed in light at the moment, and you're experiencing great joy and jubilation where we celebrate with you as well. Um, but we represent a breadth of people here where all kinds of things are happening in our lives. So let's sing together and let's bring uh, our loaves of thanksgiving uh, before God.
please take your seats again. So as our introduction to our theme today, we're going to see on the screen. Uh, today we're thinking about uh, one of Jesus' miracles. Uh, many of us, if not all of us, will have heard of this or uh, read this together. Um, and we're going to be hearing this story uh, told to us. Uh, it is a miracle of multiplication. Uh, the feeding of 5,000 plus hungry people. And in particular, we're thinking about Jesus' words recorded for us in this story. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We're going to listen to the story told for us and, and watch it as well on a video. Um, so it's quite a fun little video. So uh, do sit back, uh, watch it as, uh, as it tells the familiar story to us afresh. The feeding of the 5,000. So, here's where we are in the story. After God created the world, and after people messed up the world by sinning, and after God created a rescue plan for his children, and after he sent his son Jesus to earth as a teeny tiny little baby, Jesus was all grown up. He wasn't a teeny tiny little baby anymore. Not that when he was a baby he was teeny tiny. He wasn't like a miniature sized baby or anything. He was like, babies are already teeny tiny. He was a regular sized baby, okay? Anyway. He was all grown up, and he was teaching lots and lots of people all over the place. He was teaching them how to love God, and how to love people, and how to be more like him. This is the story of how one day, Jesus was teaching a big crowd of people. On this particular day, the crowd was about 5,000 men. Back then, they only counted the men for some reason. So really, if you counted the women and the children, the crowd would be like 15 or 20,000. And really, we should count the women and the children, especially the children. Because in this story, there's even a little boy. And he's a child, so I don't even know why we didn't count him. Anyway, on this particular day, there were lots and lots of thousands of people. Oh, and as a side note, you can read about this story in the Bible. In Matthew 14, or Mark 6, or Luke 9, or John 6. As a side note to that side note, this is the only miracle in the Bible recorded in all four Gospels. So that probably means it's super important and we should be able to learn something. Anyway, Jesus had been talking to this huge crowd of people all day long. See, sometimes when Jesus was speaking, people just lost track of time. They couldn't stop listening to Jesus. They wanted to hear everything that he had to say. But come on, all day is a really long time to just sit and listen. And these people were getting hungry. So the disciples went to Jesus and said, it's getting late. Maybe we should let these people go home so they can get something to eat. But Jesus said, they don't need to leave to get something to eat. You can give them food to eat. What do you think the disciples were thinking just then? I, pardon me, but what food? They didn't bring any food with them. And it's not like there were any restaurants or grocery stores nearby, although that would be pretty neat if there was like a restaurant right there in the side of the hill, right in the middle of all those people. <laughs> anyway, the disciples were looking around for some food. Remember that boy I told you about? Turns out this one boy had some food. But it wasn't like a food truck or anything. It was just his own little lunch. Five pieces of bread and two small fish. Definitely not enough to feed a crowd of 
thousands of people. But Jesus was about to do something amazing. He took the bread and the fish, and he thanked God for it. Pretty simple stuff, right? Then he started to split it up and pass it out to everybody. Everybody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. What the actual crazy do you think was happening inside the disciples' heads just then? What in the world was Jesus even doing? Did he really think that he was going to be able to feed thousands and thousands of people with only five pieces of bread and two small fish? It must have seemed impossible. But what the disciples didn't know is that when Jesus prayed this prayer of thanks, he was talking to his dad in heaven. And his dad in heaven is God, the one who created all the fish in all the oceans, the one who, at the beginning of time, created everything out of nothing. So, making some lunch for some people was no big deal. Actually, it was a big deal because these people would have known the story of the Israelites wandering in the desert really well. And how God had provided for them for 40 years with manna, which is kind of like bread, except it's really small, so it's more like cereal. And it fell from the sky, and boy, that would be super sweet to have like cereal falling from the sky, but it would also freak me out a little bit. And there was also quail when the Israelites were wandering in the desert, and quail are like these tiny little birds. Actually, they're not tiny, they're like regular birds. And birds are already tiny, so they're still tiny, but maybe not as tiny as you would have thought. Anyway, the food that Jesus prayed over and handed out was being passed around, and people were eating and eating. And the craziest thing happened. Even though they kept handing out bread, they never ran out of bread. And even though they kept handing out fish, they never ran out of fish. All these lots and lots of thousands of people ate as much as they wanted, and there were still leftovers. Twelve baskets of leftovers. What? How does that even work when they started with so little? Not only did Jesus feed these people dinner... He gave them more than they needed. Leftovers. When the people saw Jesus do this miracle, some of them were convinced right then and there that he was the king and the rescuer that God had promised so long ago. And while it was probably pretty wild to see Jesus take these five pieces of bread and two small fish and feed lots and lots of thousands of people, it wasn't crazy at all for Jesus. It was easy. He would keep doing greater and greater miracles than that, including the greatest rescue the world would ever see. I can't wait for you to hear that story. So I realize uh, he talked very fast, but you may have got the gist of some of that, uh, especially if you know the the story. Uh, But we're going to look at that that story as we go through. So um, our slide... uh, We've got this miracle of multiplication going on. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus was doing something in their midst, but also doing something through them. Doing something through them. And as the chap on the video said, um, it's uh, the story is told by all four gospel writers. You can go and uh, look at these passages in your Bible um, at home. I recommend you read uh, your Bible every day. You can start with this passage or these passages if, if you want. Don't leave it on a shelf. Don't leave it dusty somewhere. Don't leave it till Sunday. Read it every day because the Bible actually describes itself as food for us. And of course, 
I know when I go without food, I get grumpy and, and weak and tired and so on. So you don't want to go without spiritual food either. So I recommend read the Bible every day. And, and as, as the chap said, this story occurs in all four Gospels. So it must be something that's stuck in their minds that they wanted included. And they tell it with slightly different angles, slightly different details, none of them contradicting one another, but each of them offering a perspective on what happened. So, let's set the scene. Jesus had gone around from village to village, teaching, and he was gaining a reputation. Uh, A miracle worker, he was a teacher, uh, not like the other teachers they had, one who had real authority, and a healer as well. Everywhere he went, people were getting healed. Their lives touched and transformed. One of my questions for us today is, who is Jesus to you? Different people have different opinions about Jesus. And all we have to do is switch on our telly or or whatever and see what people's opinions are about Jesus. And yet, some, I trust, most in here will have experienced Jesus for himself, uh, for themselves. And my question is, who is Jesus to you? If you were to kind of label him, if you were to say, this is who Jesus is to me, what would you say? I wonder if we can have some shout-outs. You have to shout out quite loud for me to to hear, I'm not going to rove, go around with the mic, mic, but yes. Who is Jesus to you? My Your friend, my friend. A personal God. My rock. My saviour. My rescuer. My guide. My teacher, my king, a listener, the world's only hope. Of course, we could continue doing this for most of the morning because, of course, Jesus is so many things to so many people. And one day we may experience him in in one particular way, as that close confidant, that close friend who's listening to us. Another day we may be bowing before him, recognising that he is awesome and that he is king over our lives. And he deserves our worship and our praise. And so that's a living relationship, isn't it? Uh, I've got my family uh, here uh, well, they're up in the balcony, three of them. Nathaniel will be joining us later on. Just celebrating my birthday a couple of days ago. I'm just short of 50, so I've not yet reached the top of that hill yet. But I believe there are other mountains beyond that. So, um, But my family will regard me in different ways, each one of them. So some of them think I'm an absolutely amazing person. Some of them find me a bit grumpy, and so on. 
But even that's a real relationship, isn't it, we have with people. And, and to be real with one another, you know who the friends you have got who are close because you can be yourself. You don't have to hide things about yourself. You can uh, express what you're feeling in that moment to a, a, a close friend. And of course Jesus comes alongside us and so we can be honest with him and he wants to be honest with us if we allow him close enough. So Jesus had chosen some disciples, some, he'd chosen 12 people out of uh, all of his disciples. He was followed by lots of people, but there were 12, uh, I was going to put up three fingers there, 12 disciples uh, who, who were cl close and chosen as apostles. They were named as kind of special ambassadors, as it were, that Jesus was going to be sending out. And he sent them out two by two with his authority. Uh, these are the things they did. They, they preached repentance. That was their message, that people need to turn away from sin and turn to him, turn to God. So that, that, that it was an uncompromising message that, that people needed to be rescued, needed to be saved. Uh, they drove out many demons. People were oppressed and possessed and trapped and held captive and needed release and freedom. And that was done in a very dramatic way for many people. And they anointed many sick people with oil and they healed them. People were, people's lives were changed left, right and centre. That was back then. It doesn't have to be different today. Because our God is the same God. And Jesus is the same Jesus. And we are the same as them in terms of being people, human beings, that are called by him to follow and to live for him. And so that was those 12 apostles. They were sent out. And they, they returned and they gathered around Jesus and they reported to him, all that he, uh, all that they had done and taught. I wonder if we had the opportunity to come back to Jesus at the end of our day and say, Jesus, this is what I did with what you gave me. I wonder what our answer would be. I wonder what our report to him would be. Jesus, this is what I did with the opportunities that you gave me to love people, to love really difficult people. Lord Jesus, this is what you did through me when I was presented with people with such great need. Lord Jesus, this is what I did with what you gave me when you gave me space to rest and relax and be by myself. This is how I chose to use my time such valuable time, because I'm never going to get that time back again. I wonder what we would report back to Jesus at the end of our day, at the end of our week, the month, the year. If we were to write a little report on ourselves and say, this is what I did with what you gave me, I wonder what it would look like.
You know, the Jewish Passover festival was near. And it was a busy time in the area. And life at time, times, of course, gets busy. And Mark tells us that so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. I, I know that even now you are thinking about your chance to eat, even as I talk. Uh, now that I've said it, you're now really thinking about what you've got for dinner later on or, or what you're going to have to find for dinner later on. Because we so often think about these things to, to feed our bellies or uh, our appetites. And so many people were coming that they didn't have a chance to eat. And Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, of course, Jesus had heard about his uh, relative, John the Baptist. He'd been executed by Herod, and all this must have been going on in Jesus' mind. And no doubt Jesus needed a moment by himself, away from the crowds, from the hustle and bustle to deal with what had just happened. To come to terms with loss. The loss of a relative, the loss of someone he dearly loved. And we read how Jesus withdrew and he took the twelve with them and they went by themselves away in a boat. They crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, just getting away from everyone to a solitary place, to a town called Bethsaida. But we read this, that many people who had seen the signs that Jesus had performed by healing the sick and saw them leaving and recognized them and ran on foot to where they were. They'd sailed across the lake. They ran all the way around it to get to where they were ahead of them. And the crowds heard about Jesus arriving and they gathered to see him. So even in that moment, as Jesus and his disciples are getting off by themselves, they're confronted by a great crowd. A great crowd of need. And what do we read? We read, do we read that Jesus gave a huge sigh, turned back in the boat and went back across or stayed in the middle of the lake? No. We read that he had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were oppressed. They were harassed. They needed him. He welcomed them. And he began teaching them many things and taught them about the kingdom of God. And those who were sick and needed healing were healed. There are times when we need to get away from it all. And yet sometimes, those times and at other times, we're confronted with a world of need that feels as though we don't have that, that precious space and yet in that moment, God can fill us with compassion, faced with the need in front of us. I wonder if we are aware of the needs around and about us. Perhaps we are so keenly, so sharply aware of great needs in the lives of those around us, perhaps in our own lives. I'd like you to take the opportunity to grab a fish or two. Uh, you've got a couple of fish there at least. And write on them a need.
or two. And it may be that there is a need that you know of in your own life and you want to bring that to God. It may be that there is a need in the life of someone that you know, someone who is close to you. And you want to write down that person's name or write down their need. It may be to do with grief. It may be to do with illness or um, it may be to do with a circumstance that they're in that you want to offer up as a prayer to God, offer up these fish to God. And we, we know what fish are like. Fish are a bit slimy, a bit mucky, a bit smelly. Sometimes that's what needs are like. They're not tidy. They're not easy. You know, they need a bit of kind of sorting out. Gutting and deboning and and what? Frying. You're sit thinking about food already. So take, take a moment just to write down a need or two on a fish or two. And again, we're going to do the same as we did before and bring them to the front. Just bringing our needs before him. Or the needs of those around us. The needs in society. Or the needs in a country that you're aware of. take time just to bring them up the front and as you bring them up the front bring them as a prayer and it may be you want to pass them to someone in your group who's going to bring them all together it may be that you want to and you're able to bring them to the front yourself and you do so in faith saying God hear my prayer for this need whether it's for myself or for another we're just going to take the time to do that now. As the fish and as the loaves are placed on the table, they're all kind of mixed together, quite a jumble, and yet we're so thankful to God that He's able to take our thanks and our requests, our needs, and He's able to receive them all and sort them out. He hears the cries of our heart. And then we continue to read that as uh, Jesus uh, then went up onto a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples, they were finally alone. It seems as though it was late in the day, late in the afternoon, evening approaching, and Jesus saw a great crowd coming towards him. It may be that some of his disciples saw them and thought, oh no, what's going to happen here? And the disciples come to Jesus, they're worried, it seems. We're in a remote place here, it's already getting very late, they say. It's interesting to think about how we can feel like we're in the wrong place and at the wrong time. It's remote and it's late. Lord, this is the wrong place and the wrong time, and you've got the wrong person here ministering in the face of this need. And it may be that that's what you feel like in the midst of your family, in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of the needs that you're presented with. You feel like, I am in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Yet God knows what he's doing, and God knows what he wants to do. And you can imagine how the disciples uh, thought they're going to have a hungry, tired mob on their hands, but they had a solution. You see, disciples always have a solution. God's people always have a solution. It's not necessarily the right solution. What's their solution? Send them away, Lord. Get rid of them, Lord. They're going to mess things up. Send the crowds away, Lord. It's going to upset what special thing is happening here. Send them away, Lord. Let them get or buy their own food. Let them supply themselves. I wonder if we're guilty of that sentiment. Lord, we don't want to be dealing with that. We want it to go away. And yet Jesus also had a solution. Jesus always has a solution. His solutions are always better. He says this, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You know, we can easily see people as a problem. Or we may want to see people as an opportunity to love, to serve, to give, to minister, to see God glorified in this situation. You see, church is not about the programs or the policies or the premises. It's about people. It's about people. Us here, those out there, the people that we live and work and play amongst. It's about the people. At the beginning of each day, remind yourself of this. Lord, no doubt I'm going to meet one or more people today. Remind me that you love them and that one of the primary ways that you love them is you love them through me. So help me to love them. Help me to minister to them because it's about the people. People are not the problem. And then Jesus has a test and he says to one of the twelve, you know, sometimes Jesus tests us, God tests us, he says to one of the twelve, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? It's a lovely little test. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And we actually read, he asked this to test him. He already had in mind what he was going to do. So Jesus already knows what he's going to do, and yet here he's putting Philip to the test to see what's in his heart, to see what, how Philip is going to respond, and thankfully, Philip's response teaches us and leads us and helps us understand what goes on in our hearts as well. I imagine Philip approached this as any man would do. Oh, it's a problem, I've got to solve it. After all, a lot of, and I I speak as a man rather than as a lady, as a woman, 
men tend to, and I'm being general here, come to a situation and think, I've got to solve this situation. I've got to, to solve it. I've got to fix it. But there may be a number here who think, no, my man doesn't think they have to fix it. And yet, sometimes we can come to situations and think, I need to solve this and fix this. And Philip, well, he's got maths on the mind, economics, food technology. He's already been working it out. He's got a ready answer for Jesus. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. He's been counting them. He's been assessing the problem and working it out in fine detail to work work out that money is the solution here. That's the angle Philip's coming from. It's how much it will cost. Mark tells us that the disciples also said to Jesus, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? So not only are they thinking about money, they're thinking in terms of the the extreme cost of it and the generosity or the, the extravagance of it, the grace that is needed to give it away. Money, money, money. That's their approach, it seems. And yet Jesus has a solution. He asks them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Sometimes we have to go and see what we have. It's not apparent what we have to hand. Sometimes we have to do a bit of homework and work it out. And it may be that is true in our own individual lives or our life as a church. What have we got that God has already given us? And you can imagine they went off in search of the food. I'm going to ask some of the children to help me now. Um, and uh, so if you come up the front, uh, we may need more, more than children. So if you're a child at heart, you can come up as well. Um, and I'd like you to start handing out some bread and some fish, okay? So the bread is in, in the thing. Don't touch the bread with your hands. You can touch the, the roll, the, um, what's it called, paper towel there, okay? Some bread. So start giving these out. And there are also some fish, okay? So once you've given it out, come back and get some more. If I can have some more adults, that'd be great. Thank you. So grab another one of those. And I've got some fish as well. Okay, so a tin of sardines for everyone. Or for every every table, rather. One per table. One per table. Lovely, thank you. Yeah, yeah, go, grab. It all needs to go. So uh, um, you should have some upstairs on your sides, either side. So... Uh, Fish there, there's loads of fish. We've got some more fish here. That's it. There you go. That's it. So hopefully every table should have at least one tin of fish and one piece of bread, one one loaf. If there are some left over, just put another put another loaf or another fish on the table. It's fine. That's it. Great. Thank you for your help. 
Well, then you can have that on your table if you want. Has any, has any table or any group of people not got bread, not got fish? No. Okay, great. So, we read next, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, he speaks up in the group. He, he's, he's the brave one and says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves. Barley was an inferior quality. Uh, so, not only were these small barley loaves, these weren't the best quality loaves. And two small fish as well. So, there's an emphasis on the smallness. An emphasis on the inferior quality of what's being offered. Sometimes we can be like this, can't we? We see the negative, we see what's small, we see what's inferior. And he expresses a concern. How far will they go among so many? So again, you know, it's, I can't measure it. It's, it's, these are small, inferior, and, they, and there are so many people. So they find out they have these five loaves, two fish. The disciples, in, the, in one of the other um, versions of the, the, the stories, uh, they find out five, uh, Jesus asked them how many loaves, he said, five, they say five and two fish. We have only five loaves and two fish. So again, the emphasis on the onlyness of it, the, the smallness, the uh, limit, limited uh, aspect of it. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, they, they have no idea how this is going to work. In other words, they're saying to Jesus, your solution, Jesus, it's not adding up. It's not adding up. You've asked us to go and find what we've got. We've got very little, Lord. We're going to sing the next song. Lord, we long for you to move in power. Recognising sometimes we look at ourselves, we look at what we have to offer, we look at the situation, we say, Lord, will you work? Will you act in power in ways that we, we cannot? And yet we trust that you will.
Micah 6. So indeed, Lord, we, we long for you to move in power in our land and in our lives. Bring healing, we pray. Remember, there was a huge crowd perceived by the disciples as a huge problem. Only five loaves and only two fish, small as they were, inferior quality though they were. And yet Jesus takes and uses everything that is offered. There's even grass in that place, so he make, takes advantage of that. He directs the twelve to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. In one of the accounts it says, Jesus says, have the people sit down in groups of about 50 each. And we read how the disciples did so. He, he uses the disciples, employs them to be, be able to do this. And everyone sat down. One of the versions says, they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. So even, even the people in those days weren't doing what they were directed. I, I think these were actually Baptists. Because they, they weren't doing as they were told. Um, it's supposed to be in groups of fifties, not hundreds and fifties. But hey-ho, Jesus works with what he is given. And we read that there were about 5,000 men there, roughly my calculation, 100 groups of 50. That's just the men, of course. So we've got to add the, the ladies and the children. So more than that, perhaps sitting in their family units, in their family groups or their the group friendship groups. And he tells his disciples to bring the five loaves and two fish. Bring them here to me. This is where we need to go when we have stuff to offer is bring it straight to Jesus not try and solve it ourselves, but to come straight to him, because he is the solution. And of course, Jesus takes the loaves, and looking up to heaven, he gives thanks, and we read how he distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. Amazing. One, one of the versions says he, he gives it to his disciples, to distribute to the people. The disciples gave them to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. So again, he uses the disciples to in this miraculous multiplication. And they all ate and were satisfied. John tells us they all had enough to eat. An amazing provision. On your tables, you have a loaf, a little loaf, Actually, Tesco says it's an ancient loaf. I hope it isn't. Um, the use by date was is still in date, but it calls them an ancient loaf, so I thought that was appropriate. Um, just to say, if they are they have gluten in. I'm, I'm assuming. So, uh, if you're gluten intolerant, then I wouldn't advise you eat this. And it has seeds on it as well. And I'm not sure what those seeds are. There may be sesame seeds and so on. So, if you have any allergies. To seeds or gluten or bread, uh, imagine the experience. Okay, and it may be that in your group you wish to break bread together. Literally break bread. We're going to give thanks to God for his provision and see this as a symbol of the way in which he provides for us what is needed. So let's pray. Our God, we want to thank you for your provision of simple things 
such as bread. Thank you that you provide our daily bread. And we realise, Lord, that we need more than food. We need you. And so thank you that you provide us with everything we need. Lord, as we take a moment just to reflect and remember upon your goodness and grace towards each one of us, that you supply our needs, we want to give you thanks and praise. Amen. Now, before you uh, distribute bread or, or eat the bread, it may be that there is one or two strong ones among you who is able to open the tin of sardines. Again, this may not be a popular thing. Not all of you are like this. Uh, but I have put some forks on your tables. Uh, not enough for everyone, because I'm assuming not everyone will want to, to eat them. Uh, but please feel free to open the tin of fish on your table. I don't advise children do it, uh, because it does have sharp edges to it. It does have sharp edges. So open your tin of fish, and you can have a, a little meal of bread and fish. Your musicians can join in if you want. <laughs> You've got a little plate there as well that may help you uh, keep it a bit tidy. There are also, there's also kitchen roll up the front here and wet wipes as well. Sometimes, sometimes when you break bread together, there are crumbs, it gets a bit messy. Sometimes when you break fish together, you get all mucky, get hands, you, you smell a fish for the rest of the day. I'm sorry about that. But sometimes our ministry in this world may seem messy, it may seem smelly ministry in this world is not always easy and not always clean, as it were, not always tidy, nice and tidy, but I trust you're enjoying the taste of uh, the bread and, and the fish if you manage to do that, great. And then whilst you're still eating and enjoying that, as we continue the story, we read how Jesus said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over 
Let nothing be wasted, because it all has a purpose. Even the broken bits, even the bits that we would say are left over, have a purpose. And they gather them in 12 baskets full of broken pieces, are picked up. A a basket for each disciple, perhaps. You know, if you are one of those who feels left over, or left out, or one of those who feels as though you're just a crumb, or just a bit of the, the scaly fish left on the side, even you have purpose that Jesus gathers all the bits left over. He has purpose for them. You have some baskets on your pieces of paper there. Uh, They contain some pieces of fish and bread. Uh, They're on like a single sheet like this. I want you to take opportunity to write on the front or write in that box any aspect of brokenness. It may be that there are broke that there is brokenness in your own life. It may be that there's brokenness of relationship. There is brokenness in terms of health or terms of grief. There's brokenness in terms of your finances or your situation of provision. It may be that there's brokenness in the relationship that you have with someone else, that there is unforgiveness or bitterness on your part or their part, that there is brokenness, something that is not as it should be, that is not whole. We could think of brokenness as being the absence of wholeness, of shalom, of peace, that integrity and that wholeness. It may be that there is an aspect of brokenness that is in regard to sin in your own life, a habit that you love to break, a a thing that you do wrong that no one else knows about. I'd like you to take the opportunity to write on this uh, piece of paper and you're going to put this in your pocket. I'm not going to bring it to the front. So if you do want to write something on it, no one else is going to see it other than you and God. It may be that you know what it is and you just want to put across. But just take a moment to bring your brokenness to God. It may be that there is a person that you need to be reconciled to. A relative or a friend or a once friend or a neighbour or a work colleague or a boss or whatever may be that there is a situation that you cannot solve in your own circumstances and it is broken and you need it fixing. Would you bring that to God? Just take a moment to write down an aspect of brokenness. When you've done that, take a moment and just pop it in your pocket or in your bag take that away with you. And it may be you want to continue to pray and ask God, Lord, here is my brokenness. Here is the broken thing that I'm bringing to you for you to bring a solution to. And and of course, Jesus' solution isn't always our solution. What the way in which we think it should be fixed may not be how Jesus approaches the situation.
after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Indeed, Jesus was God's prophet, come into our broken world. I wonder if you will let him be your prophet, the one who speaks, who has authority to speak into your life by his word. And Jesus also, knowing that they intended to make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. He was going to be, become king and be king on his own terms, in his own way, not on their terms or in their way, in the world's way. Jesus is indeed king, but not a worldly king who uses force and corruption and bribery and so on. Will you let him be your king in your life? Humble, gentle, yet powerful and with real authority to speak into your life. We're not to pay lip service to this king. We're to bow down and worship him and know him to be the authority in our life. I'm going to miss out our next song at this point. We're going to move on to the last, uh, the last slide, last talk that we have. Just uh, we're faced with a crowd of need. And maybe we each are asking ourselves, what can I bring to the table? What can I have to offer that the Lord can multiply? Do we have those five loaves and two fish? They don't seem much. I'm sure we do. That we can bring by faith and place them in Jesus' hands and have the expectation of the miracle of multiplication as individual followers of Jesus and as church, as Brighton Road Baptist Church? Or are we going to try and focus upon our own solutions, our own resources to try and meet the need and fix the problem? Maybe just send the people away because it's too big a deal for us. Jesus gives us responsibility to feed people, both physically and spiritually. We need to be those who are feeding ourselves as well, spiritually. And, of course, we all have a part to play in this. Children, young people, older people. It was, after all, a small boy who brought his loaves and fish that triggered this miracle. Not one of us is left out. And there is a, an abundance that God provides. Your final activity before we sing our final song. You will have a plate. And it may be a bit messy, but that's fine because you may have used it for your bread or for your fish. But we're going to write something on there that we have to offer. So as an individual, what you have to offer to Jesus to be used by him. It may be it's a gift, a talent, a skill, uh, an experience. It may be a spiritual gift, maybe a, a role that we are fulfilling within the life of church or in society, in our family, in our workplace. But we have this one thing to offer. We have more to offer, but there's one thing that we're going to write down on our plate. And we're going to bring our plates, whether they're clean or whether they're messy and dirty, we're going to bring them to the front 
and offer these things to Jesus to use in prayer. Our final prayer activity. So take the opportunity just to write a thing that you have to offer. Maybe your time. Maybe your uh, energy. Maybe a particular time of day. A particular relationship that you have. Just take the time to write that one offering. And as we do so, we're going to be singing our final song. And we'll bring these forwards as we sing the final uh, verse of, of this song. Hear the call of the kingdom. say the grace to one another. At the front here it does look a bit of a mess, but sometimes life is not tidy and church should not be tidy and all tied up and all nicely wrapped in a bow. Sometimes we have a mess. 
and yet God is able to deal with everything we bring to him. He wants to tidy us up, of course, and, and cleanse us and, and meet our needs. But we come as we are, and we minister as we are, and we are transformed and changed as time goes on. So let's say the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. And you are very welcome to take home any bread or any tins of fish that you wish.